Welcome to episode four of Open Dialogue, the podcast for collaborative SEOs and digital marketers. In this episode, I spoke with JP Sherman, the manager of search and findability at a software company called Red Hat. Over the course of our conversation, we learned a lot about JP's unique route to search through the army, how JP works in between different departments at Red Hat to improve internal search, and we also discuss JP's expertise in survival, camping, and coffee roasting. If you enjoy this podcast, please share and shout about it on social using the hashtag open underscore dialogue, and you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Marsden. You'll also be able to find a written recap of this podcast over on the Deep Crawl blog by going to deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast, where you can sign up to our mailing list and be notified when we release new episodes every other week. Before we get started, I would like to let you know that this podcast has been made possible by my employers, Deep Crawl. If you're interested in improving the technical health and organic performance of the websites that you manage with an enterprise-level web crawler, then head on over to deepcrawl.com and have a look at how we can help. We've even got a free trial that you can give us a whirl with. But that's enough of that. Let's dive into the fourth episode of Open Dialogue with JP Sherman. Okay, welcome to the show, JP Sherman. How are you, JP? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for for coming. Th- thanks for coming on the show. Um, it's really good to to hear your voice again. We met, I think it was just over a year ago now, um, at Brighton SEO back in September of 2018. Um, yeah, it was it was a really amazing event. I remember really enjoying your session. I think it was along with Mike King and Barry Adams as well. I remember it was at the start of the day and it was a, it was a really amazing session to um, to kick off what was a, a great conference. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, the uh, Brighton SEO is, is clearly one of my it's one of the most unique experiences I've ever been to. And of course, you know, being a part of the session with Michael King and Barry Adams, I was completely and totally intimidated. <laughs> but, Naturally. you know, I just kind of rested back. And I generally know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but definitely. it was it was uh, intimidating and incredibly exciting. It was great <laughs> meeting you as well. Well, yeah, you say that, but there were there were not one, not two, not three. There were several people that in the lead up to that conference were saying, you know, JP Sherman's going to be at Brighton SEO. You know, yeah, he's traveling all the way from North Carolina. And I'd, <laughs> I'd kind of heard your name come up and, but I was like, oh, maybe he's going to be like all up himself or I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, from talking to you, you, you seem like the, the nicest sort of most wholesome human being that I've met, ever met, I think. So, um, <laughs> yeah. see the problem with making a bald person blush is that it's <laughs> a whole head blush. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I, after seeing your Brighton talk, I not only look to you for, um, to kind of help me improve my knowledge within SEO, but also to, to be a better person as well. Um, yeah, so that that's what I'd like to kind of get across to our, our listeners uh, over this episode is um, not only how they can work better with other uh, SEO with with other teams, but also how to be better human beings as well. So I hope you're up to the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much. Um, and I, I gotta say, I, I saw your presentation; it was uh, really eye opening, um, and. I, I've told this to Rachel 
uh, Casella before. Mm-hmm. I honestly cannot wait until your generation of search professionals kind of take over. Like it's getting to the point where my generation, it's about time for us to kind of shut up and listen. <laughs> and I cannot wait till you guys take over. I, I really like that you refer to to me in in the the younger generation because that <laughs> that makes me feel younger than than I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so to kick off this episode, um, I'd really be interested to find out how you got into search. Um, but actually, before we do, when I was doing my research, I saw that you've had quite a unique um, career, if if you want to put it that way. Um, I saw that you worked for the U.S. Army for for a period of time. Can you can you tell us a bit about that? Is it it's not too top secret, is it? Oh no 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 no! I mean, <laughs> um, working in special operations and psychological operations, it sounds a lot cooler than it actually uh, is. I'm, um, sound, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds really <laughs> cool. But you know, generally, when you're in the army, there's you know, for every two really cool things you get to do, you do really eight things that are just you know sweeping the barracks and things like that. But um, it really kind of all began. My my dad was an English teacher, so I had this love of language. And as a, as a kid, uh, I learned um, uh, German, I learned Spanish, and when I got into the Army, they taught me Korean. Oh, wow. So I had a real knack for languages and how words fit together to create meaning. And then I was also a huge nerd. I mean, I was a gamer. Um, I was on the internet in high school. And like, and when I say internet, I mean like 1989, right. 1990s. <laughs> and that's where I first came across a website. Right. Wow. What were they like back then? Oh, they were total garbage. <laughs> and, um, and it took forever to load, um, especially if you're dealing with anything with images. But... When I eventually got into the army, um, basically, you know, I was working in headquarters of special operations and I had this full bird colonel and like a colonel is like right below the general. So these are important right. people. I heard across the hall, Sherman, you're a nerd, right? <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir. I'm a nerd. And he goes, I need you here right now. And so he asked me, he told me, I need you to figure out search engines because you're doing a presentation on them next week. <laughs> right, that's so. It's quite a unique thing in in the army. No pressure, <laughs> right? And so this was in 1998. I mean, this is I think the year that Google was born. Right. And so I did. I figured out how search engines work. I did the presentation, and just that that combination of semantics and technology really hit. So I we. In special operations, for what we did in PSYOP, what we did was, with the internet was, particularly in humanitarian operations like uh, demining, um, specifically among the uh, Thai-Cambodian border, which is the second most landmine area in the world, and malaria prevention. So I got to work with the World Health Organization. Uh, I got to work with DC Comics and Marvel Comics to create host-language comic books about landmine safety and hand them out to little kids in northern thailand and it was an incredibly amazing experience right so um doing a lot of good for the world then 
yeah, I, I really felt like it was doing something good, you know, winning hearts and minds kind of thing. Wow. And we started looking at how do we reach younger generations, specifically in Southeast Asia, who used internet cafes. So we worked with host governments to create websites with um, malaria safety, uh, malaria preparation, and things like that. Because what we found was that the younger generations of Southeast Asians were less likely to be living with their grandparents who would know how to do these things, and they would be spending more time in internet cafes. So we wanted to reach them where they were. And essentially, that's kind of how I got into search uh, SEO and search. Wow. That's that's a really unique way of getting in search. I don't I don't think anyone else can can claim to have, have come through the the army. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, it was a good experience, um, and I I wouldn't change it for a bit. And wow. I again, like I grew up in California. You know, we use a term called crunchy, which means very uh, crunchy in 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 my colloquial way means. You know, very kind of lefty, very kind of hippie, very kind of tree hugging. <laughs> and I was this crazy, crunchy army dude. But I found myself in a way to do these kind of humanitarian um, operations, which were incredibly, incredibly fulfilling. Wow. Also, I got to jump out of airplanes. <laughs> well, you kind of mix up. It's search engine optimization one day and, yeah, jumping out of airplanes the next. <laughs> okay. Um, so, skipping forward probably through uh, over a few years, how did you end up becoming the manager of search and findability at Red Hat? Um, so, I'd worked, I'd worked in an agency um, in North Carolina and at the time, it was one of the larger SEO agencies in the world. And it was called, um, it had a couple of names, like Keyword Ranking, Market Smart. But I got to work with some luminaries like uh, Garrett French, Jenny Hollis. Jenny, honestly, to be perfectly honest, Jenny Hollis is one of the people to blame for my um, tech SEO love. <laughs> I, I, um, I like the use of the word blame there. <laughs> right. I mean, like she really changed the course of my life. And um, I and I love her and I respect her dearly. Um, also, Casey Gillette, I worked with her. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and so there's this kind of core group of people who used to work together now have done really, really amazing things. And it's so nice to see Jenny's star rising. It's so nice to see Casey's star rising and just some really, really amazing people that I got to work with. Wow. Um, but I got recruited out to Los Angeles for a, a startup called, uh, a dumb name. It was called Was Up. Such a dumb name. <laughs> it sounds very naughty. <laughs> sounds like right. a, a Budweiser commercial, if it, I remember correctly. Exactly. Like, that's exactly what I thought of. But no, it was a search engine for video games. Right. <laughs> and so... So I took that position as the the marketing director as for the for the search engine for video games, and that was the first time I got inside the guts of an actual search engine, looking at how things rank. Why do they rank? What are the knobs and levers that create relevancy signals? And I think that I was a really I was a really bad director of marketing because there's like <laughs> title inflation and like it was my first job out of an agency, and. It's like startups, oh, we have five people, so you're the director. Congratulations. But I was <laughs> I can't say that I was any good at it. But the part that really stuck was being able to look at this 
body of content on video games mm-hmm. and being able to work on relevancy signals, um, user interface, user experience, and building a unique search experience for that particular audience. Mm-hmm. When that startup didn't kind of take hold, um, I did some more agency work, I did some in-house work, and all of it that I loved, but Red Hat came calling and they were looking for somebody who knew SEO but also had worked inside of a search engine. Mm-hmm. And in North Carolina, I was kind of that one person who really had that experience. And six and a half years later, I'm still at Red Hat. And uh-huh. I love it. Would you be able to explain a bit about what Red Hat do and um, exactly what your yeah what your kind of day to day looks like there? Yeah. So Red Hat is in the business of selling free software, which at first sounds kind of dumb, but Red Hat is an open source uh, software company um, from uh, platform like operating systems such as the Linux distribution, uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, Mm -hmm. to cloud uh, and platform operations, um, to middleware like JBoss. And so, and all of our our software is open source. So you can essentially download the bits and use it if you've got the chops. Right. The way we make money is through subscriptions. If you like the service and support and security updates and all these kind of things, you just, you renew the, the, the subscription and you can, continue to get all these access. So what that does is it makes me incredibly customer obsessed because one of the things that I look at is does their site experience, does their search experience translate into happier customers and generally happier customers renew more likely. So I work within, I work on the, the, the Red Hat customer portal where users get information such as troubleshooting or migration or installation um, things like that. So our content is very based upon, is very task oriented. So I assist, my primary job is to help people find the information, the information that they're looking for, uh, as quickly as possible. And that includes SEO, that includes UI UX, that includes site search, that includes all of these other things. So I'm less of an SEO and more into findability so that our users can accomplish their goals when using our site. Right, okay. So you mentioned that you're really uh, customer obsessed and all about searcher experience. Is mm-hmm. um, Are you kind of translating these kind of things into um, the kind of more technical side of things as well? So are you taking, um, are you having to communicate what searches uh, are looking for and kind of making that understandable and kind of fleshing out what you want for development teams and engineers. What what does who are you kind of working with in that respect? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really good and a really big question. So, um, so some of the teams that I work with are first of all like our front end development for UI and UX things. Mm-hmm. I work um, our CMS is primarily Drupal, and our secondary CMS is ASCII-Doc which is um, a totally different type of CMS. So I work with um, Drupal developers. I work with ASCII doctor developers. I also work with our content strategists. I work with um, our UI UX teams. Um, I work with some of our, some of the, some of the actual like platform engineers. Um, I work with our troubleshooting, our, our customer service support. Um, for example, 
we do what's called KCS, or I think it's, I think it's called Knowledge Centered Solutions, or forgive me if I get the, the acronym all wrong. <laughs> but okay. um, it's, a, it's a KCS process, and we take the words of the customer when, they're look, when they are um, interacting with our support staff, and then we take the words of the customer and translate in that into actual content, our solution content. Okay. So I easily work with eight to 10 different organizations. And because, because of where I'm situated, I'm kind of a one person agency where I also work with redhat.com. I work with developers.redhat.com. I work with, um, a lot of different organizations. So I interact with different development teams. I, I, I interact with different design teams, uh, different marketing teams and, uh, content strategy and content creation teams. Wow. So you're right in the middle of it. <laughs> I, I, it makes me feel important, which is nice. <laughs> it's always nice. <laughs> so are there, what are the, the kind of main challenges that you're, you're facing with? Are there any differences in the challenges that you face between different development teams? That, that's something that I'm kind of quite keen to, to learn about. Yeah. Um, so I think that I, I primarily work a lot in, um, in the development side because, because when you're managing a body of close to a million pieces of content, wow. it's really not worth my specific time to help people rank for a particular set of terms. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what I do is architectural, it is, um, uh, on templates, it's on things like site speed, it's things like code bloat, um, mm -hmm. caching, and all of these different aspects that scale across the entire platform. And so that really gets me um, close to the developers and the development strategy and things like that. And I think my biggest challenge, but I also feel like it's a very common challenge, is really kind of prioritization. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky at Red Hat because I really can't say that I've had a bad experience with people not getting SEO, um, which I've had in other places. Yeah, that, so with them, that's it's always a like, good start then. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like they see, they already see the value. And then they, the part of the prioritization is how much value are we going to get? How much is this going to increase our relevancy or our expertise, authority, and trustworthiness? Um, because I've already I've already been harping on them about EAT, and we're kind of getting around to that mode of thinking. How do we create? How do we send expertise signals? How do we send uh, authority signals and things like that? Mm -hmm. So it, for me, I think the, the tricky thing is being able to see the pipeline of projects and being able to com communicate where my projects need to flow inside that project flow. Right, okay. So how how are you getting things prioritized then like are you are the things you're suggesting are they are they being kind of put to the the forefront or um do you is there a lot of kind of internal conflict or that you can tell us about? Or is it usually um, quite plain sailing? Um, I'd say it's, I'd say it's kind of all of the above. Um, the, the only resistance that I get, and I think, I think that I, I don't want to imply it's resistance. It's more friction that leads to polish. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like sandpaper. 
you know, I'm sure the block of wood doesn't like being sanded, but the end product is generally nice. Um, and the way that, the way that I really kind of look at it is, um, SEO is it's, it's a force multiplier. It makes what they're doing better. Mm -hmm. And so one, so if I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. Um, we, we all got across the organization um, emails that we were put in the mobile first index in January. Right. And then it became, what is the mobile first index? And so a lot of my time came to explain, you know, what this thing is and why it's important and mm -hmm. why is Google doing this? And so then it became very clear that, um, so in that case, I had been talking about site speed as a, as a, as a critical thing that we need to do before that time. And up until then, it wasn't really a priority, but now we could actually see the effects of the mobile first index and the effect that it had on our rankings, our traffic and all of these different things. So it became bumped up into prioritization. Uh, I see. So, so there's, there's kind of a challenge in enterprise where, um, I try, I try to lay out the case before something happens and so at times when enterprise kind of decides to move there, the recommendations are there, the documentation is already there, the reasons are already there. So it's like, all right, JP, now we need to do this. And I'm like, okay, here's about 20 pages that I've written about mm -hmm. this. Let's go do that. <laughs> That's helpful. And, yeah. and I think it's one of those things that could cause frustration because I think it's easy to get into the didn't you listen to me? But at the same time, it's also, I understand that the site also needs to work. And so my, my, um, my recommendations aren't always going to be the best thing to do at that time. Right. So we're able to focus on things like site speed and we're seeing improvements. Um, another thing is, is that, and this is less, and this isn't on the development side, but this is on more on the content side. Uh, and this is something that's fairly particular to a lot of different um, organizations. Uh, we're, we're switching to this uh, type of content delivery called modular content. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, um, I kind of fall back to, to using my metaphors and bikes because I'm I love cycling and I cycle across okay. badly. I'm really bad at it, but I'm just, <laughs> I love doing it. But for example. If you are, if you're creating content about how to change a front bike brake, you know, across the brands, it's very, very similar. And it's generally, you know, a Shimano bike brake versus a Fuji bike brake versus a, uh, a Crank Brothers brake, you know, they're gen the, the process is generally the same. It's a very similar to software. It's that. the same way to install a particular piece of software. Mm -hmm. And so when you have version one through version 10, you end up with a lot of unintentional content. So we created this module on how to install X. And this one module is its own living document, which gets brought into what we're calling assemblies of here's how to install X in version right, product version one. And we use schema to let like Google know that like this is, is part of and contains. And so we don't face the duplicate content issues and we're able to consolidate our content, not rewrite them 10 times. And so on the content strategy side, it's how do we architect this? How do we template this? How do we mark, uh, use structured markup? 
Um, and how does this overall, one, reduce our content load to reduce the chance of duplicate content? And so I get brought into a lot of these conversations to solve these kind of really fascinating problems. And um, the good thing is that I generally get brought in at the very, very beginning. So they're baked into the process rather than, okay, we built this thing, JP. Now press the SEO button. <laughs> how, how is it that you kind of get yourself into that position so that you're brought into the, the conversation early on? Is it all about building up kind of trust and um, kind of authority with, with different teams internally? What, what would you kind of, what your experience is there? Yeah. So I think, I think short answer is yes. Um, I'd say about 40% of what I do is SEO, 40% of what I do is site search. And then 20% is kind of um, in-house evangelism. Right. And so I am really, really active in presenting topics on search, topics on Google, topics on findability, topics on institution, um, even things like describing to people what word defect means and what it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just real quick aside for those of you who don't, um, work in like the search field, like word defect is the, the frequency and closeness and proximity of a word to another word. Right. Uh, 10 years ago, open source was nowhere near Microsoft, but now Microsoft is adopting open source. And so now you see Microsoft as the topical word open source is next to it. It's around it. It's uh, closer in, it's closer and it's more frequent. So that's kind of word defect in a nutshell. Right. Um, so, uh, I totally lost my train of thought after that, you know, <laughs> quick aside. Um, <laughs> In-house evangelism. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you. No uh, problem. So uh, I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I do a lot of presentations internally. And so what that does is it kind of establishes me as a source of information. And... I, and like I tell people, I really don't consider myself to be an expert. I just consider myself to be a curious enthusiast. That's um, the best sort of attitude to have, I think. Yeah, because I think that like I don't, because there's no SEO button to push, I need to create these relationships and create these author- this level of authority. And so I get people from different organizations, different countries asking me, I want to do this. I want to do X. Mm-hmm. How can you help me? F- how can you help people find this? Right. So over the course of several years, I've now built up a level of trust. And now I tell people, if you ever think about how people are going to find this, please contact me. Right. Okay. And so, they so, do. Sorry, just going back to, um, you were talking about mobile first and educating people internally about that. Um, so how is it exactly that you go about teaching people about the importance of that and the impact that it that's having within the business is it are you are these kind of like in-person meetings are they are you just providing kind of documentation what what does that kind of look like a lot of both um because generally why generally people are they hear something about google is doing something and um so one of my peers, I don't know if you've known him, uh, Jarris Mitchell no, and uh, Lauren Pritchett, mm-hmm. they are, they're my peers on different sites, but we all get together. Right. And one of the things that we do is through our audiences, we kind of 
teach, we, we send out emails, we send out documentation, mm-hmm. kind of our internal documentation content. And sometimes we set up like a lunch and learn. We buy them food and we talk at them for a little while. Um, and then once it kind of, once that information kind of trickles out, people come to me and say, I saw this thing about mobile first. Can you talk to me more about it? And, you know, it's, it's kind of like going back to my days in PSYOP. It's about information dissemination. And how, what are the most effective channels in order to reach my target audience with the information that they can use? Right. Um, people are, are generally quite keen and interested, or is, is there, are there any difficulties there? In, in this sort of education process? Are there any like sticks in the mud who just couldn't care less? Um, I would say on the whole, um, I have found my experience at Red Hat to be incredibly accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, these are forward-thinking, collaborative uh, people that I work with. Um, mm-hmm. At Red Hat, we have this thing called the Open Decision Framework. It's actually on GitHub if you look at it, if you okay. look for it. Okay. Um, the open decision framework is a process by which um, we handle our meetings, we handle our decision-making processes. And so it allows for mm-hmm. debate, it allows for the friction that I talked about, mm-hmm. but it also kind of makes in mind that like, while everyone has a voice, everyone has an opinion, that yeah. things need to get done, and so decisions need to be made. Yeah. So it's a very yeah. collaborative, very open process. In previous positions mm-hmm. I've had, either with, there have been kind of sticks in the mud, and generally what I've done, um, there's a, so I'm not going to name any names, but the, one of the jobs <laughs> I, I worked um, previously was a large international uh, e-retailer. And my second experience of working on site search. Right. Uh, the, development, the development team had worked with a prior agency who were, they were just garbage. Um, they were one of those agencies that would build a custom dynamic page for every single keyword that they could grab put their little grubby hands on in google analytics and it was horrible it was horrible and so like our, our rankings tanked our authority tanked and we got rid of the agency and brought me on board and so the development staff were just like oh geez another one of these people <laughs> and and so basically i rather than you know walk in put up my hands on my hips and like i am i am the god of seo and you need to do what i say Okay, let's let's talk about let's talk about what our common goals are, and I want because you guys have been here for for a long time. What are your common goals? Because they want a reliable, stable, fast website that that converts, and I'm like, fantastic. Let's build some tasks around these goals, and I kind of stopped talking about SEO and started talking about user experience. But using um, my 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 technical SEO knowledge, knowing my platform knowledge, knowing my keyword knowledge, all, all these different things mm-hmm. to assist them into doing what they wanted to do, identifying areas where there was code bloat, removing them, doing some externalization, doing some minification, doing all these little things. And so, rather than walking in and say I'm an ex- and I'm an SEO expert and all I care about is Google, it's like I care about the users and I care about you. And after a year of that. You know, they they trusted me, and it was like if JP says something, there's generally going to be a reason why he says that. So let's listen to him. And so I was this this audience of you know skeptical kind of people who are pissed off, you know, into essentially advocates and saying, um, 
we all have the same goals. Let's work together. It doesn't matter what we call it. Right. Okay. So the key was being kind of open and um, thinking about their problems and not focusing so much on SEO. That's that's interesting. Exactly. But it took a whole year to get to that point, did it? Uh, <laughs> I would say... I, <laughs> After a whole year, they're I, like, we can trust this guy now. <laughs> Maybe he's all right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I would, I would, I would like to say that I am a fairly persuasive person, but yeah. maybe I'm not. <laughs> well, maybe maybe, maybe it says maybe. more about that agency. Maybe they were that bad that. <laughs> yeah, it's whole <laughs> the trust balls. level. The bar was so <laughs> <laughs> so low. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a good experience. It was a, it was a different experience than I I previously had, but it, um, I'm glad that I had it. Cool, and. Um, on on the flip side, have you encountered any kind of disaster stories where like things just really haven't worked out? And are there any kind of like learnings that you've taken away from from those sort of experiences? Yes, yes. Um, please, please tell. Please tell. Um, same company, actually. Right. And so, obviously, I was hired to do SEO, and. That's all great. And so part of my responsibilities was working with our inventory managers and our product managers to, to make sure that we are balancing our inventory buys, our product buys versus, you know, how much rank that we get and how much traffic that we get. And part of it is, is really more about supply chain, supply chain management optimization as opposed to SEO. Right. And so I became friends with my counterpart at another large competitor e-commerce company and he and i would have these monthly contests where like we'd pick a keyword and see who can rank better <laughs> and whoever won we would send the other person a uh, a case of beer right. and so so this is this is all great and so we decided that like we needed to up our game so we decided that we are going to go for um um some really top tier keywords and I'll say that I was working for a, a bicycle real, a bike retailer. So yeah. we had never ranked for the term on page one for bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, or kids' bikes. Okay. Can imagine that's fairly Which competitive. Your, <laughs> right. I mean, you're competing with like Amazon at this point. Right. <laughs> um, and so I noticed that when you're looking at these particular SERPs, it's like road bikes dash brand, mountain bikes dash brand. Sure. And I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> and so I started, I started getting things like for kids bikes, it was, um, reliable, durable, affordable bikes for kids mm -hmm. for road bikes. It was light bikes and road. Mm -hmm. And I started using this as a head for optimizing for emotion, optimizing for intent and optimizing for audience, you know, the marketing part in search marketing. And Within three within three months, we were number one for road bikes. We were number one for kids' Ooh, bikes. We were number one nice. for mountain bikes. Um, and so I kind of continued this. And then we were getting crazy traffic, and our conversion optimization was really good. So mm -hmm. uh, I got called into the CEO's office. Right. And I'm sitting there like, I'm like, I did this. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> and he starts right, yelling at me like, we are out of kids' bikes. We cannot sell kids' bikes because we are out. Our supplies are gone. <laughs> that's a and he good thing, and surely? <laughs> right. And I'm, like, I'm like, no, that's a good problem to have, right? And then I started laughing, and he goes, this is no laughing matter. Right. 
And so it's like, I had talked to our suppliers, I had talked to our managers and like, I felt like I had done everything right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is a good problem to have. <laughs> like one, I've done my job. And so he, he's like, don't you ever do this again? If you ever do something <laughs> stupid like this, this, and I'm just like, okay, you know, it might be time to look for other opportunities at this point. I think so. So you were basically told, look, JP, you're, you're too good at your job here. Look, can you just like simmer down, all right? We, need, we can't be this successful as a business. <laughs> right. And, and so part of me was like, okay, so how can, how, part of it was like, how can I communicate this better? And it turns out that our, our, the, the, our inventory managers, they didn't think that I could do it. Right. And then when I did it, there's like, holy crap, we got to blame somebody for being out of stuff. So let's blame JP. <laughs> you, you take the um, blame. And, you know, I, I, was, I was really, really upset at that point. But again, it becomes, it becomes another data point in my, in my learning, my, my, in my own learning curve. Of course, but, yeah. It doesn't seem like there, there was too much of a, a gap in uh, knowledge there. It's more just <laughs> bad, <laughs> a bad business to, right. to be a part of. <laughs> Right. And there's a little bit of schadenfreude involved because, you know, I, I checked the rankings every once in a while and like mm-hmm. a year ago, they collapsed. They just collapsed. They actually went their old metadata. They went to back to our old strategy and they just collapsed and they're not even on the first page anymore. So uh, right. I will admit to a little bit of schadenfreude. Yeah, there. There's a, a small, small part of you which was deviously happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, I did this and it was awesome. And you guys broke it, so. <laughs> but honestly, I've been generally pretty lucky on, on the tech SEO side. There really hasn't been a lot of uh, catastrophes. There hasn't been a lot of like uh, robots disallowing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the client side, on the agency side, on the client side, especially in the early days of SEO, I mean, you'd find crazy things like meta refreshes all over the place, and right. doorway pages, and mirrored sites, oh, and lovely. <laughs> so. So it was like every new client that we had, it was like there was this just cacophony of problems that we had to solve. Right. And that kind of baptism and fire was really kind of prepared me for just like being an in-house where it's like I have control over my own universe. And if I can control my universe, then and, you know, not have any surprises, then that's that's where I like to live. (laughs) Sounds like a good place to be. Um, with re- with regards to so at Red Hat, you're, you're essentially building and refining internal search. What do you do? You think that gives you a different sort of perspective on things? Does it give you slightly more empathy towards Google and and how how they operate? Absolutely. Um, I think because I now have some experience in in that optimization seeing how small changes in uh metadata or a relevancy tuning can Mm -hmm. just make things go crazy Mm -hmm. um i i have a lot of empathy for google because it's hard it's really hard and you know i i can be i can be just as snarky as the next person be like oh google you messed this up ha 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 look at you you're supposed to be so bright ha ha yeah, and then I look at my own site, and I'm like, uh, maybe I should uh, <laughs> yeah. be nicer. I'll, I'll I'll admit that. Yeah, I I do the same. There's um yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's Google. It's the biggest market in the room. So you, I don't feel too bad. But yeah. at the same time, um, but no, I think I think that uh, for me, 
the really big, the biggest thing that I get away from working in site search is um, understanding how how hard intent detection actually is. Okay. And being intended intention detection and parsing language in a way that reveals intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard. And when you have a search engine, for example, built on solar and solar is an open source search platform. And it's, we have access to all of the knobs and levers to make, to make ranking decisions. Mm-hmm. And so we experiment with machine learning. We experiment with all of these, with, uh, artificial boosts. We, 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 um, experiment with biases. Uh, we experiment on the UI UX side. We experiment with knowledge graphs. Mm-hmm. And one, one real example is, um, when people would search for a product, let's say one of our products is called satellite. Mm-hmm. And when we would get a, a high volume of searches for just satellite. Yeah. And so, while we're only building results based off our content, mm-hmm. we don't know if they're looking for troubleshooting, installation, migration, or just to download. We have no idea yeah. based off of that one word. So we start calling them high volume, low intent. Mm-hmm. And how do we solve that low intention problem? Well, um, I built a knowledge graph that appears long, kind of like Google's knowledge graph or the, um, like when you search for an actor and then like, here's a picture, here's their birthday, right. here's their. So it's, it's kind of like a, as, as top level as you can get. Right. And so what we did is we take a look at where people go after they, they search for satellite. And then we populated our, our own knowledge graph with that kind of content. Right. Okay. And what we found was that when that knowledge graph appeared, um, the knowledge graph had for the for that one word, we mm-hmm. had a sixty to seventy percent click through rate, right. because we were essentially answering an implied question that the user may not have uh, explicitly searched for. So it's so in terms of site space, it's looking at the positive space, which is looking at the words, looking at the content, and looking at the negative space of what aren't people saying. And what can I do to collect information about what they're saying? So now, for example, let's say for people searching for that for the word satellite, 80% of them go to the downloads button. Then we take that information using some of the machine learning and say, okay, we can bubble up and maybe bias mm-hmm. the download button, the download link into our SERP. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of is a lot of kind of like it feels like squeezing a balloon. Like you have the same <laughs> amount of content. It's once you squeeze one in, the other end gets bigger. And so yeah. how do you, so how do you, um, so you make that more prominent. So that's kind of how I see it. Right. But okay. overall it's about connecting people to inf- the information that they're looking for, whether or not they explicitly say it or not. Right. So for, for people managing sites, which might not have their own sort of knowledge graphs and the, the sort of sophistication that, um, you're working with is there anything with just kind of people's on-site search that you'd recommend like are there are there any sort of things that you'd really recommend adding in or or changing about the way that that people do it on-site search that is a real gap in the market um 
I actually saw on Twitter that you were um, you were kind of calling out to do a whiteboard Friday <laughs> with that with Moz. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's site search is not something that a lot of people really talk about. It's it's there's the intention is basically like once it's a plug and play kind of situation, and like okay, yeah. I've plugged in search and I plugged it in the analytics, and mm-hmm. they generally don't look at it too deeply. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of good kind of, um, I would say, on the enterprise level, when you have teams, when you have relevancy engineers, when you have developers, it's not hard to build these things. Mm-hmm. And so part of my focus in the next year is to take some of the things that we've built and open source them. Right. Okay. Um, like my, my goal by next year is to have an open source version of our knowledge graph that will work on different CMSs that will work on enterprise and small to medium sized businesses. Um, That'd be super useful. And and you want you want to open source this. This isn't something you want to monetize. That's that's very very nice of you. <laughs> no, I honestly, there's a little bit of selfishness happening here because, <laughs> like, if I can open source it, then I get a lot of different people looking at it, and a lot of people yep. are getting contributing ideas. And so rather than monetizing what in my actually kind of like, you know, a alpha ver- alpha build version mm-hmm. by open sourcing it, by connecting with the community who actually want to improve it, you can get a better product that is more useful to more people. Sure. And um, that increases my level of expertise, that increases my level of knowledge, and that ultimately allows me to do my job better. I think I think that's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and honestly, like they, 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 Red Hat pays me. I don't, I don't need to go off and branch off on some risky venture, of, <laughs> uh, some crazy, some crazy plugin. Yeah, <laughs> you're giving it out to the community. That's that's, that's very noble that is of my you. Goal, yes. <laughs> um, so I'd like to move on now and just kind of um, start wrapping things up. Is there is there any advice that you'd give to people working in search? Um, just kind of, I guess, summarizing what we've been covering here. Um, advice for for working better with different teams, particularly with um, developers, or maybe going into a, a different organization who've who've had a bad experience of working with people in SEO. What what would you recommend to them to to work more efficiently with these other teams? So my, my one caveat is always like your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I've, I've always been kind of very open, transparent and collaborative person. So, and I've always viewed SEO as like, as I, okay, S- really small rant. And this might, th- there's, there <laughs> it might can be, be a, a big one as well. On it's, it's fine. Right. <laughs> um, I don't see, I don't see SEO as a strategy. No. I see SEO as a tactic. I see right. as is as a thing that it's it's fine to have an SEO strategy, but that is not a business strategy. Mm-hmm. I think SEO for me is a is essentially a force multiplier. It makes thing the things that you do better. Yeah, it connects people to information better, faster, mm-hmm. and more reliably. Um, so kind of going in, going, kind of going into either a fairly skeptical or hostile environment, mm-hmm. um, 
I really try to step back and see and, and look at it from a very business oriented perspective mm-hmm. that connects to a human perspective. Right. And, and again, like as a force multiplier, you know, I'll bring it back, I'll bring back, you know, a little of my army experience mm-hmm. It's like the people who, the people who, um, um, pack your parachutes, they mm-hmm. are incredibly important people. <laughs> yep, I, I can understand that. <laughs> right. You don't want to piss but, them off. <laughs> right. And like they are just as important as, you know, your you know, your your direct action people. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of view I kind of view SEO as almost like a parachute packer or as somebody who takes a product, optimizes it to the point where it is clean, fast, and flawless, deploys quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then part, honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm very, I surround myself with very smart. I try to surround myself with smart people. Mm -hmm. Areas that I am not as smart as, Um, for example, um, Jamie, Jamie Alberico. Like I, if I have any JavaScript questions, I go to her. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about when I have questions in architecture, I go to Jenny Hollis. I go to Barry Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have questions in content and content strategy and conversion optimization, I talk to people like Casey Gillette. Um, and so, so and like is, with is, you, like, is humility, humility is that kind of the the key thing? Realizing that you're not going to be an expert in everything and yeah like you say surrounding yourself yeah, with the right people is is the key there yeah and like your presentation on data automate on on auto, automating data mm-hmm. and reports it was like oh my god i gotta set i've set some time to really focus on that mm-hmm. because that is that's going to save me so much time and it's going to make everything better and so i look at people who have um their their recognized expertise and i try to relationships with them so that overall the body of knowledge can increase and when people talk about site search they're like oh i'll talk to jp um and and to me it's it's very much of a you know it's it's super cliche but like a rising tide lifts all ships so let's not all build dams and levees that kind of thing <laughs> i really love your your metaphors there <laughs> you've had so many you've had bikes, we've had parachutes we, we've had ships like this is great <laughs> My mind is awash with different with different imagery at the moment. <laughs> you know, when you come from a literary background, yeah. uh, metaphors are a big, big, big deal. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell that you are the the son of an English teacher. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, um, that's that's really my advice. Okay, uh, that, that's super useful. I can definitely relate to keeping it business orientated as well. Um, that's something that I'm looking to talk about at this um, upcoming Brighton is um, there's there's so much focus on what Google's doing and with all of their algorithm updates and all of the the havoc that they they play with not just sites but in entire businesses and it's it's about building healthy businesses which aren't overly reliant on um, just kind of like gaming gaming the SERPs so um, yeah. yeah, that's something I can I can really relate to. Um, I can't wait to download your uh, Brighton SEO podcast. Um, <laughs> um, and one of the things one of the things that you really triggered was um, sorry to interrupt, but like no. my whole one of my whole 
hypotheses is that like when working in site search, you can your site can your site search can be better than Google's because one, Google has to deal with everything. They have to make rules for everything. Mm-hmm. Your business doesn't, and your business knows your customers. Your buzz, your business has relationships with customers, and they generally know what they're looking for. And so, by focusing some effort and resources on site search, your site results can be better than Google's yep. because your focus is you have a much closer connection to the user and a closer connection to the content. And so while I'm like, yeah, Google does things at scale really well, but when it comes to like getting laser focused on what your customers are looking for, mm-hmm. you can be better than Google. Of course, yeah. Um, that really makes sense because you've, you've got such a, a much, much narrower niche to focus on, definitely. Yeah. Um, switching, switching things a bit. Um, I've been made aware that you make your own coffee. Is... Can you confirm do. or deny this? You do. Okay. My question is, when, I, when can I receive a, a batch? Because <laughs> I'd really like to try it. I'm a, I love coffee. Okay. So um, I mentioned this, I mentioned this to, uh, to some friends of mine. I am, making, I, am, I am roasting a small batch okay. of a floral Indonesian coffee. Right. Okay. And I'm liking that, this. And I'm mixing it with a um, a West African coffee that has a a caramel and chocolate notes. Right. And and so, go ahead. What what made you think to to mix the these two coffees? Like how are you that experienced? That how how do you know to blend these together? <laughs> because I'm such a huge dork, I have spreadsheets. <laughs> Right. Um, and I, I've, I've noticed that when you take like a richer flavors, like a coffee or, a, or like a chocolate or a caramel, right, and pair and pair them with a lighter, more acidic, like floral, yeah, it gets a really, really nice balance, especially if you're going for an espresso. Right. Okay. And so I'm making I'm making a small batch. Okay. And I'm taking that batch to PubCon in Las Vegas in Ooh. October. So, I, I happen to know that uh, Jennifer Hoffman will be there. I'm, and no, no word of a lie. I've, um, I might actually be going myself, and one hundred percent, definitely, I'm going if I know that I can get my own coffee there. Yes, yeah. yes, it will be. Yeah. It'll be a small batch roast. <laughs> I will have roasted it myself, Amazing. and um, it is something that I really love doing. And <laughs> the best part of roasting coffee is giving it away. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Do you give it any any cool names? Like, yes. Uh, okay. So I don't know if you knew this, but I brought a, I brought four pounds of coffee to Brighton SEO. I did see. And it. yeah, and so I gave some to uh, uh, Andrew at Optimizey. Okay. I gave some to Barry. Yeah. Um, I gave a couple of pounds to um, some non SEO type people in mm-hmm. in the UK, and. Um, uh, Marie Haynes, I got to speak oh, yeah. with her at Optimizey. Cool. So I gave her some of my coffee, mm-hmm. and it was it was fairly it was fairly well received. Um, okay. They Good. were all I'm, very, I'm hopeful. very happy. With I'm it. hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope you like it. Yeah, I I massively appreciate that. It sounds sounds amazing. 
Um, is this all just a scheme to get you some free coffee? It was, yeah. You know, when when I was putting together my my list of, of first guests, I thought, mm, who who can I get some good free stuff from? And yeah, I thought <laughs> JP <laughs> Sherman does his own You're so coffee. So transparent, man. You're so transparent, Sam. <laughs> yeah, you'll notice that I've left it to the right to the end of the episode to reveal this. So. <laughs> um, another thing that. I'd like to make our listeners aware of is that um, when I asked you whether you wanted to be on this podcast, you said that you'd uh, been camping recently with with your kids. So I, what I was wondering was whether you'd kind of taken them out there to as like a kind of bonding experience to teach them some um, essential kind of life skills or are you are you kind of like a, a survivalist? Are you are you a prepper? Are you are you yeah preparing for the end of the world? <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, no. Okay. Um, I think so I, I saw me, quite an elaborate campsite in the the um the photo that you posted yeah. on Twitter. So I was like, wow, he's, he's really into this. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a hammock tent. Right, <laughs> and. Uh, it's 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 about five pounds. Yeah. So I could take it anywhere, string it between a couple of trees, and it's an amazing tent, and I love it. And it's got a little rain fly, so just in case. But uh, so a little bit about me, like I have four boys, oh, ranging that's... from thirteen. Okay. I have identical twin boys who are ten. Right. And my youngest is four. Right. And you've got your work cut out for you there. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> it's never quiet or boring. I bet. Um. Uh, the three top boys, they all play three different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun. It's it's the best kind of busy. And I'm like, I, and for me, it's like, it, it is really, really important to me to essentially like turn off work on Friday at six mm-hmm. and then just be completely there for them. And um, so I take them camping, I take them fishing and we kind of have a like catch and a release policy because mm-hmm. again, crunchy kind of hippie guy like you know i I love it when animals are living free and in the wild yeah i I can understand that yeah yeah and have you have you ever caught one and thought i'd I'd like i'd like to keep this one this one's do you you at least take a photo right oh we definitely take photos um i am taking my boys my twins to uh deep sea fishing later this year right wow um the coast of north carolina is called the graveyard of the Atlantic. We have a couple of sunken U-boats. We have uh, Blackbeard's wow. pirate ship is sunk out here. Ah, okay. So um, the, the the coast of North Carolina is rich in biological diversity and also actual history. Right. So I like to take them out there. And honestly, like my kids have crap for toys. Like they have a bucket. Of, they have buckets of Legos and they have board games. Mm-hmm. But like. We go out and we have experiences, and I take them to go have experiences. Um, like when my oldest turned ten, he said he wanted to go to, to Pennsylvania to see Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Waterhouse. And if you search Google for Falling Waterhouse, you'll see the house yeah. that we went to. And like we live in North Carolina, Pittsburgh is like twelve hours away. It feels like ish, and so we drove up there for his ten birthday so that he could see this Falling Waterhouse, one of the icons of American architecture. I just googled it now. And, I, I can see it. It's, yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, right? Wow. Like, it's a beautiful house. And so for me, it's like, I want my kids to have experiences that they can remember because 
I don't remember the toys that I got when I was six. I don't remember any of that. But yes. I remember all. I remember the trips, and so that, that's my philosophy. Yeah, you remember the. So I go out there. Yeah. We go camping. We we uh to to turn, coin another army phrase. We embrace the suck because sometimes it rains, sometimes weather's horrible. Mm-hmm. But like at least at least we're miserable together. <laughs> so this this is a very relatable attitude for for us over here in the UK. <laughs> 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 I I also remember seeing um one of your tweets it it was something like um is it possible uh to die from your kids telling you about YouTube videos or or something something like that is that right about Yeah <laughs> but so I'm I'm not at a phase in my life where I'm quite ready for children, but I thought that would be amazing because that's what I spend half of my life doing is going down YouTube rabbit holes and finding all of these kind of like bizarre videos. So I, I personally can't wait to have kids. I think you we're know, probably on the is, same wavelength. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, it's like for a while, like the only thing that my son would talk about was Fortnite. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, cause when I grew up, there was no YouTube. Um, and then like the twins have, they've, they've binge watched stranger things. So now they're, they're all about stranger things. Yeah. And, uh, and like, it's, it's wonderful because like the, the level of kind of obsession that they go down and they discover things, they, but at the same time, it's like, like now that my son is 13 years old, like you know, there's also a lot of garbage on, on YouTube. And so I kind of use that opportunity to talk about critical thinking. And that doesn't sound quite as entertaining. No, it's not, but <laughs> important. It, it's, it's really valuable because, um, we were, uh, my oldest and I were watching shark week on the discovery channel here. Oh. And he looks at me and goes, dad. And it was about like, is the show called, does the Megalodon still exist? And Grayson right. looks over at me and goes, dad, can I say a bad word? I'm like, what? He goes, Dad, this is bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, tell me why. He goes, look, if there's a giant 60-foot prehistoric shark still living in the ocean, we'd be able to see, like, bites out of whales. And this one shark isn't going to live by itself, so it has to have babies. It has to have, there has to be, like, this family of sharks. And so he starts going over all these reasons, and I'm just like single tear coming down out of my eye. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. So proud you of you, You can son. recognize. Right. You're a man now. <laughs> and right. I'm like, no, no, get a job. Um, but yeah, like recognizing those opportunities and be like having, having fun with somebody with, with something that they love to like my, like when it's not something that I enjoy, it's like, you know, don't crap on other people's enjoyment. They're having fun. <laughs> don't crap on it and they want to believe in this, bit this, mythical, <laughs> this mythical this <laughs> creature <laughs> yeah and yeah it's it's it is a is a for all of the work that it is it is incredibly rewarding well you you've definitely sold parenthood to me there um, <laughs> <laughs> okay um i think we will wrap things up there before we end this uh is there anything that you'd like to shamelessly promote or plug? Oh, actually, um, is there anything that you'd recommend to our listeners which makes your working life um, a lot easier? 
Um, I, uh, I I usually point to um, so my example is is uh, a brand of coffee actually, um, but yeah, you might yeah. you might have something like it might be some uh, previous guests have said some like software or it might be I don't know something that helps you sleep better or I'd just be curious to see whether you've got any um, any kind of productivity hacks. Um, less of a hack okay. and more of more about self-care. Ooh, um, okay. and cause I think it's been a great conversation within the search industry of talking about our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, and some of our, some of our traumas. Yeah. And for me, one of them is one thing that I I'm really embracing is, um, being honest and open about some of the, some of the traumas that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, being very open and honest about the need for support from other people, Mm -hmm. um, being able to find, um, friends and family who you're able to kind of be like, like literally I've been texted by friends and I've texted my friends and like, Hey, spiraling today, today is not a good day and I'm spiraling. And sometimes Mm -hmm. sunshine is the great, is a great disinfectant. Yeah. Just admitting to a friend that like, I'm not in a good place right now. And they're like, I get you. Um, so I feel that being able to have a person or group or somebody anonymous that you can just like speak to about these kind of issues is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And it helps me be grounded. Um, the other thing that I do for self-care is I volunteer. Um, I try to um, help organizations with, with my time and my skills who may need my help. And I do it pro bono. And it is, it is a active recognition that I am one lucky to live in the United States because we mm-hmm. have so many opportunities Two, uh, most Americans don't even recognize that we're lucky and having traveled internationally, I fully recognize how lucky we are. Um, three, there are millions of people who don't have access to this kind of, um, th- time or skills. Mm-hmm. And so being able to help other people, um, is really, really important to me. Okay. So, um, with volunteer work, you're talking about helping with SEO and kind of marketing activities specifically or not necessarily? Yes and no. Um, I do, I, there's a couple of, uh, nonprofits that I consult mm-hmm. on, a just give me a call when you need me. And there are organizations that I donate my time to, um, you know, stuffing letters, you know, passing out pamphlets or something like that. Something more. I'm spending six, the next six hours of my life doing work for this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you recommend that people within, uh, within marketing, within SEO could help different NGOs and charities? Are they, kind of always on the lookout for, for people? Are they, are they kind of open in your experience? Um, so I guess, I guess part of the, it's like my wife, she's, she works for a nonprofit. She's an ad, mm-hmm. she's a policy advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could talk about what she does all day, but I won't. Uh, so she is connect. She's very connected to the nonprofit communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just say, you know, for people who, love animals like they're always looking for somebody to you know like when i was kind of at my lowest Mm -hmm. and super depressed and stuff like i would 
clean dog poop out of a kennels, out of a shelter's kennels. Mm-hmm. And it was gross and it was nasty, but like I felt good because I'm helping an organization that does good things and I'm, and I, and I'm helping these animals stay healthy and clean. So if there's a thing that you love, there's probably an organization that um, would love some, would love some help. Yeah, we we've definitely found that at Deep Crawl, we've been um, working with a, a number of different charities, particularly um, All Dogs Matter, who are a dog charity, as the name would suggest. And yeah, they've they've been um, kind of super receptive to the ideas that we've had and um, how we can promote their cause as well. So yeah, that's something. Yes, I'd yes. Thoroughly my my border collie Juno loves loves the little dog the deep crawl dog dog uh, <laughs> they, toy that you guys sent yeah they out of all of the the deep crawl merchandise it's the dog toys they've they've been like ridiculously popular yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> okay um thank you very much for your time jp it's been um enlightening um not just in terms of uh learning things about internal search and um, how we can work better with with different um departments but also um yeah learning to be better people as well i feel yeah I, I feel, yeah, I feel like a better person just from talking to you for the past um, hour or so. So, thank you very much. You're very welcome, and thank you so much for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed this conversation, <laughs> and uh, feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers, JP. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye. A massive thank you to JP for being such an excellent guest and all-round good human being. If you want to hear more from JP, you can find him on Twitter, at JP Sherman. If you want to hear more from myself, I'm at Sam underscore Marsden on Twitter. And if you'd like to share our humble podcast with the world, then make sure to add the hashtag open underscore dialogue. You'll also be able to find a written recap of this podcast over on the Deep Crawl blog by visiting deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast where you can sign up to our mailing list and be notified when we release new episodes on a bi-weekly basis also make sure to subscribe to open dialogue on the podcasting platform of your choice thank you again for listening to open dialogue and i look forward to you joining us again for the next episode so until the next time goodbye <laughs>